0: the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Worldview Media Podcast where Gordon and Joyce Runyon view popular media through the lens of the Biblical 5-Point Covenant model to help believers appreciate and apply principles of exciting narrative and engaging storytelling.
1: me to you from our newly booby trapped house that will keep all the bad guys away. Uh, yes. It's the Worldview Media Podcast. Yay. I'm your host, Gordon Runyon. This is my wife, Joyce. Hello. And I feel like I should confess that I have been drinking,
2: <laughs> it helps with the booby traps. <laughs>
1: <laughs> not, not, not today. So much. I'm saying, like over the last thirty four years, mm. I. I guess that's true. I guess that's just the way it is. It seems fashionable to admit that. So.
2: Oh well, there you go. And you are nothing, if
1: if nothing not fashionable. fashionable. <laughs> right. <laughs> on the cutting edge of fashion.
2: You're on the edge. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. What are we doing? We are talking about oh. media Media? What and kind of worldview.
2: Ah uh, when the two collide, what can you do?
1: <laughs> Except make a podcast. <laughs> well there you go. Okay, were you talking about the Western remake Mm-hmm. recently come out, well, a few years ago. I think it was ago. last
2: year. Last year, we're actually within five years of a movie, so that's good. Wow,
1: that's cool. See, we are cutting edge.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't it be cooler if the movie hadn't actually been released yet and we really oh, had seen it and were yeah. critiquing it?
1: We need we need to get, like, uh, connections.
2: We'd be on a whole. Like
1: That's that. what we lack is connections.
2: Oh, I think we have them. They're just
1: to people who don't <laughs> have anything. And
2: they have stuff. <laughs> <laughs> can't
1: actually help us at all. Uh, Our connections are to people who are pretty pitiful, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think so. <laughs> Shout out to Jordan. <laughs>
2: oh, you're. A just playing.
1: Okay, so what are we doing? We're talking about the movie The Magnificent Seven. Yes. Starring Denzel Washington. Yes. Chris Pine. Pratt. Chris Pratt. Yes. Of uh, Star Lord fame. Okay, and.
2: A lot of people that we really don't know. (laughs) No, we. We do know them, I just don't know their names. The one guy was on, like, Law & Order, SVU or something. He was also the bug in uh, Men in Black. He was the bug dude.
1: Donna Frio Vincent.
2: I think it's Vincent. Donna
1: Frio. You know, I thought he was really good in this movie because I, even after it was over, I had to go back and look at the credits and make sure the guy that I thought was him was really him. Mm -hmm. Because he didn't... uh, I mean, he was unrecognizable. He was just in this role and playing it. I
2: recognized him.
1: (laughs) I didn't recognize him.
2: Of course, you had been drinking, so.
1: (laughs) For 34
2: years. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so. I think it's been longer than that, because you're how old?
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I tried to calculate. I'm, I'm about to be 51. Mm -hmm. So 34 years would put me at 17. Oh, maybe 35 years. (laughs) (laughs)
2: I've
1: been drinking for 35 years. (laughs) All right, so uh, we're talking about men in black. No, No, we're talking about...
2: (laughs) Magnificent Magnificent Seven. Magnificent
1: Seven. And this is a remake of a classic movie starring Yul Brynner. Yeah, it's a it's an old western that they did. Right. right, Yul Brynner and and what was the guy's name? The Death Wish guy, Charles Bronson. Really? Yeah, I think he was huh. in that too. Okay, so and and it's a pretty basic it's a pretty basic plot, and it's kind of there's a reason for that that we'll go into mm-hmm. that. Once we say the plot, you'll you'll know, and it's a pretty classic Western thing mm-hmm. where there's a town that's being overrun by a bad guy who's a really despicable bad guy, a bully. No
2: morals. And, power hungry. And
1: his name is El Guapo. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Bogue. <laughs> Bogue was Bar- it name. Bartholomew Bogue. Yeah. Anyway, he's overrun this town, and he's got the sheriff all on the his land, side, on yeah, his payroll. Everybody's paid
2: off, and he can have his way and do whatever he wants. With, and he's murderous a and
1: punitive. horrible, yeah. and, and so townspeople take the last of the money that they have and go try to hire. They take everything, gunslingers and stuff who can help them.
2: Well, the widow,
1: the widow lady, goes, one of the widows
2: goes out. Okay. With a dude, I don't know who the dude is to her, but but anyway, they go out in search of assistance.
1: Right. So they find Denzel Justice. Washington, who's a bounty hunter and a gunslinger type. Well, oh, he's been deputized in six states.
2: I believe that's right.
1: <laughs> and several Indian territories. Yep. Yeah. Right, so he actually so,
2: has some authority. He's not
1: just a but a not where they are. Not where they are. Well, I don't know about
2: that. It's just a day or two <laughs> no, away. Well,
1: we're, I plan on talking about that in just a little bit. All
2: right, then.
1: Okay, so he rounds up a few guys that he knows that are also... Uh, handy. Handy with a gun or <laughs> or a knife or something. Yeah. Anyway, and so he assembles his little merry band of seven mm-hmm. who are going to go with him and try to rescue this town from the bad guy. And if that plot sounds familiar, it's because it really is. And not only is this a remake of Magnificent Seven, but the original Magnificent Seven was basically In a <laughs> a remake of a Japanese movie called The Seven Samurai. Yep,
2: seven, the number
1: samurai. Right. Seven. I say
2: that because some people hear it as seventh.
1: Oh, Who's, who hears it that way?
2: Well, I don't want to say her name. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the Seven Samurai, and its it still makes it on the lists of, uh, and I'm talking highfalutin lists, mm-hmm. of, like, best movies ever made. Yeah. So the Seven Samurai uh, is on that list, and it's the same plot where there's a, Except they're samurai instead of cowboys. Right, and it's in feudal Japan instead of the Old West.
2: Feudal with a T or with a D? -D.
1: (laughs) (laughs) E-U-D. It's in futile Japan.
2: I'm just... (laughs) Is there any other Japan? (laughs) Uh, Someday.
1: Okay, so uh, it's a remake of that. And frankly, that plot has not just made it into the... Magnificent Seven, mm-hmm. the two versions of that movie.
2: Yeah.
1: But it's kind of found its way into several things. It's very similar to the plot of The Three Amigos. Well... At least the western yeah. version, the western it's portion not the of the drama. That plot.
2: Right, right. I mean, there are some tense moments in it, but...
1: <laughs> <laughs> the cowboy portion of that show yeah, is the well, same more plot.
2: Well, than, more than just the cowboy portion. I mean, there's a lot of things that I was like, It seems like I've seen it before, but there was more laughing.
1: Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Huh, that's interesting.
2: You know, even when the when the widow goes up to him, you know, instead of a little boy, it's a grown man and saying, I'll bring you everything we have. Uh, and, oh, You okay. know, yeah. there was no uh, kissing anybody on the veranda. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, the lips are fine. So.
2: <laughs> there probably was some of that.
1: <laughs> okay, so... It it made it into the Three Amigos, but I also feel like it, uh, High Plains Drifter kind of mm. has the same sort of thing going on, where a town hires this High Plains Drifter. Yeah, but it's not a yeah. a group. Not a group, but he's one. still gonna protect them or try to yeah. liberate them from the bad guys. And uh, I almost also felt like. There's a similar Japanese plot that has made it over into westerns you know, from a movie called 47 Ronin mm-hmm. and ronin are samurai warriors who don't have a, a shogun over them so the they're master, the they're bro. like freelance mercenaries well their master got killed so they, oh. they they're not show, they're not samurai anymore they're ronin and uh And they wind up putting everything on the line to make one last stand in a small town against a tyrant that was coming through. Mm -hmm. I feel like once you understand those plots, you can make any Western movie, pretty much. But then uh, as I was looking at it, I saw that several of Clint Eastwood's uh, famous Westerns were almost lifted completely from Japanese movies as well. Mm-hmm. like A Fistful of Dollars and A Few Dollars More. I think those were both mm-hmm. Japanese movies before they were Clint Eastwood. So
2: I'm wondering who is watching these Japanese movies. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Writers in Hollywood. Harvey Weinstein. <laughs>
2: <laughs> i got to travel and see the world so I can steal their stories.
1: <laughs> right. Okay, so in this movie...
2: But, but that in itself is also interesting because then then stories become a universal language that we speak Yeah. to to relay a moral message or, you know, whatever type of message we we want to say. You know, these were Japanese, they were samurai, but yet it's completely relatable and transferable to these are cowboys and this yeah, is, right. you know, America. And so I think that's interesting
1: that you can... Well, and then now that you say that, it reminds me that I also read that the the director of the upcoming Justice League movies mm-hmm. has said that uh, the Seven Samurai has an influence in the Justice League movie, too. Uh-oh. Coming they up. didn't all
2: make it out with that Seven right, Samurai. Right, most of the Samurai died. In fact,
1: I think in the Seven Samurai, I think they all die.
2: Well, that's not good for your super. <laughs> right, that,
1: w- that won't be the case in the Justice League, I'm almost sure. They're... Right.
2: Well, then where is the similarity exactly? <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. So what was your thought on this movie? Well. Overall.
2: Overall, you know, I'm not a country western type of gal.
1: Seriously. I know. Here I am in New Mexico. A 4-H program administrator.
2: Yeah. Working in, at an extension office where we talk agriculture. Now. Wow. That's <laughs> but amazing. That's a... That's not really who I am, so this isn't anything I would be like, "Oh, I want to see that right but um it was it was a pretty good movie. I think it had some good uh portions in it. the I liked the characters. I was a little concerned with some of the costuming. Um, <laughs> didn't seem quite appropriate all the time for some of the lady folks and especially oh. a widow. Oh, you know, right. going around like she was <laughs> out on the open road. She room, wasn't obscene.
1: So. She was just. Uh, no, but uh, she was. Maybe a little more low cut than. Yeah, well, said.
2: she wasn't as covered as I would have thought, especially yeah. to have been recently widowed. Right. You know, but uh, maybe it's a different country world than I know. So I, I think I would probably give it like a B. A B? Yeah.
1: Okay.
2: I w- Will I watch it again?
1: No. No. No, absolutely not. I won't. If you're flipping through TV channels and it's and it's it's a
2: scene that I like, maybe I'll watch it for that scene.
1: Oh, um, can you think of a scene you liked?
2: There's some funny ones with the guys when they're all together, kind of goofing around. Oh, you know, I think of the one where that one big burly man comes out. Right. They were talking about mountain man guy. Uh How they had killed him and smashed him, smashed his head with a rock, and yeah. I think Chris Pratt says. I think that bear was wearing human clothes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Now here's the thing. I was just listening to a another podcast on the Reconstructionist Radio Network. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'll name it. It's
2: uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's so many. Yeah. You gotta just say it. There
1: is <laughs> uh, Luke Saint's Streetwise Theology. Once a month, they do a a movie-focused podcast. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they were talking about in the last one was the fact that there are some actors who are very versatile and can play different parts. Mm -hmm. And then there are some actors who are always just themselves, and every part they play is kind of them. Mm -hmm. And two actors that they named specifically, one of them I wouldn't name too, but they named Denzel Washington and... Chris Pratt as as being, being versatile or being no as being those kind that are always themselves mm. seem to be in whatever they're doing, mm-hmm. and so I had listened to that podcast before we watched this movie for for our podcast yeah and I kind of had that in mind as I was watching and I think I think respectfully mm-hmm. that. I didn't get that from them this time. I mean, normally, I would say, yes, Denzel Washington is the same in every movie that he's in. Mm -hmm. But I almost felt like he was less so in this movie than in other things. How did you feel about that?
2: I think, when I think of Denzel Washington, I think of a very wordy person. Yeah, talks That's, very fast. Yeah, he's yeah. just um, very confident, outspoken, uh, and I didn't get that from this character in the movie. He was more soft spoken. He was a man of few words. He wasn't somebody who always had the spotlight. Right, right, he wasn't right. like you know. Um, so, I think he did the character well and didn't do himself. And you know, Chris Pratt is—he's um, a funny guy, and he's really kind of more light. Even like in um, other movies where it's a serious position or a serious scene, you know he's still kind of more flippant about it, and yeah, um, there was a little bit of that in this. But well,
1: he was kind of uh, comedic relief in a lot of places here.
2: Yeah. Well, and (laughs) you look at the rest of the ensemble, and (laughs) you know who else was going to do that? So
1: yeah. All right. Well, so you would give it a B. Yeah.
2: I'd give it a B. I'm not sure I would
1: go that high. I didn't hate it. Well, maybe
2: it's just because I don't know Westerns to know what's oh. average.
1: <laughs> I didn't hate it, but I'd probably give it a a high C. Mm-hmm. It was passing, mm-hmm. but uh, not the greatest. And well, some of that was because I didn't think that... I didn't believe the motivations for... Any of the seven. Mm-hmm. Well, for Denzel's character, he yeah. was the leader of the group of seven. Mm-hmm. And I kind of did, I understood his reason for doing it. He had personal reasons for... But we
2: don't find that out until pretty in
1: right. The film. Right.
2: He, it's kind of hinted at because he says, you go talk to this man and you tell him my name. Yeah, and right. And you say my it's name It's obvious again, they and so, know each other. Yeah. well, yeah, he knows right. the guy, I don't know. You know, that Bogue guys probably... Ran over so many people, it's hard for yeah. him to remember. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, it just seemed to me, he was the closest one to having an actual motivation for doing, for putting his life on the line. and.
2: But one of his friends, I guess it was Goodnight, was his last name, knew about the situation with uh, Denzel Washington and this other yeah. bad guy and was aware of, why he was getting involved in it, so I don't know if that meant this other guy had been involved with that somehow, and you, oh, I, that was just passing information,
1: or... Yeah, I didn't get that out of it. Uh, just for me, I didn't feel like I got a lot from the other six of the seven, in terms of why they were even bothering, why are you going to go out on this suicide mission, and... uh for some of them, for some of them, it seemed to be just the prospect of getting paid, mm-hmm. and for me, uh, that didn't really do it for me. I guess. All right. Anything else in the overall sense before we start talking worldviewy stuff? Uh, no. All right. <laughs> well, let's take our break, and we'll be right back. Are you interested in Christian education? Would you like to learn how to be a Christian teacher or how to run your very own Christian school with success? The GCS Apprenticeship Program can help. Learn more on our website at gcsapprenticeship.com.
0: The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology.
1: we're back Worldview Media Podcast in all the commotion we've had to shift our our uh, podcasting location up to a bombed out bell tower in a local church building oh no and hope the bad guys don't see us up here oh no All right, Magnificent Seven, let's talk about themes and what we think the overall message was and worldview type of stuff. Did you have anything on that?
2: Well, I think the one woman goes out and that's a line, I mean that's a line that she says and he's, well, what is it? you want revenge? And her answer was, no, she said, I seek righteousness. Yeah. Which was a uh, an interesting choice
1: of words. Yeah, because yeah. most
2: people would say, "I want justice," or "I want you yeah. know, right. want the law to be carried out." But to say, "I seek righteousness," you know, that was just like what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was a little bit surprising. You know, so yeah. that was. Um, but finish really...
1: finish her line though. She but said.
2: she would take.
1: <laughs> the guy asked, "Do you want revenge?" And she said, "I want righteousness, but." I'll settle for revenge or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was kind of a. I saw that as kind of a, a prominent thing that was talked about was revenge, Mm -hmm. and it turns out to be that the uh, Denzel's character was ultimately after revenge, and. So that was an obvious motivator, and again, mm-hmm. that's kind of a trope in in Western movies, especially. Is. I've got to find the man who shot my paw, you know. Hello.
2: Prepare <laughs> <laughs> to die. <laughs> right.
1: So revenge typically plays a role in a lot of Western stuff. Wouldn't that also? Now that I think about it. I shouldn't even bring it up because we haven't talked about it and it's been so long since we saw it but the movie Silverado do you remember that? There were bad guys in a town and it's been too long and for a group me of good guys had to get together and get rid of all the bad guys probably uh, yeah
2: it's vague, it's vague, it's fuzzy <laughs> I'll, edit that, I'll edit that out
1: I've been drinking <laughs> 35 years okay so Revenge was a big deal. Biblically speaking. I don't think... Maybe this is going to be a hot take. Uh Uh-oh. And maybe I can blame it on the drinking. (laughs) Our culture likes to draw a hard line between the ideas of revenge and justice. Mm -hmm. And say things like, Oh, well what we need to seek is justice and not revenge.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But biblically speaking, they're the same thing. At least from God's standpoint. You know, Romans 13, when it talks about the the governor, he's called there a minister of God's vengeance. Mm-hmm. and And that means justice. He's supposed to do the law of God on evildoers and make sure that by by enacting justice God gets his vengeance on the bad guys now personal vengeance may be a different thing you know uh, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth Jesus points out in the Sermon on the Mount that's the standard for civic justice and he wasn't saying that's not the standard but he was saying that's not the overarching rule for personal dealings with each other: eye for an eye, and tooth for a tooth. That's you know, that's not how you and I relate, wow. or, or at least for for most of our marriage. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we went through some times though. <laughs> Where, where's my drink? All right. <laughs> No, I guess I'm just pointing out that, biblically speaking, revenge is not always evil. Mm-hmm. If, if the revenge that is gotten is biblical justice, they can be the same. Well, I think if you look at same.
2: a difference between the word revenge and avenge.
1: Oh, is there a difference? I think so. Okay,
2: let's hear it. Well, re, I think, is really <laughs> dealing with uh, more of a, a personal... Thing. And I think to be avenged, someone else is taking up your cause on your behalf to protect you or to make a right, make a wrong right, you know, to do that. But it's not you doing that. So in my mind, they're, although they may be the same type of actions, yeah, um, they start, they generate in different places. Oh. Even though they may wind up with the same result.
1: So I get my own revenge but I avenge somebody else. Yeah. Okay, I'm not even sure. I don't I didn't look up the definition of the words. Well it's just in it my mind
2: I see them as okay. and they must be different because they're
1: they're different words.
2: <laughs> so I think, you know, that God can avenge his people and not but God's do God does
1: Vengeance is a real thing with God. Yeah. And it's totally righteous when he, when he pours that out.
2: <clears throat> so was the woman right in saying that she sought righteousness or should she have sought justice?
1: Well, those are two words that are different words that kind of mean the same thing when we're talking, especially when we're talking about government and dealing with bad guys and stuff. So, So that It can be said that the foundation of God's throne is righteousness and justice. And those are, I think those are synonyms, mostly. I tend to think of justice as having more to do with the civil realm. But I don't think that's necessarily right. You and I, as individual Christians, were called to do justice. Mm -hmm. And, and... I think that just means outside ourselves, and we're doing the right thing in relation to everyone else. And mm-hmm. uh, does it have an element of righting wrongs? I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't think that's part of the definition of the word. But that's interesting to think about, though. But you know, the reason that we're abolitionists is because a grave injustice is being done in the society, and and the personal command to do justice doesn't depend on what my status in life is. You know, I'm not, that command doesn't bind me because, precisely because I'm a pastor or because I'm Mm -hmm. a father. It also binds you as a wife and a mom. And, and, I mean, it binds a Christian Mm -hmm. that we're supposed to be out doing justice. And and seeking to address injustice.
2: But even in that, oh golly, I don't even remember how long ago it was, when um, Christians were going to um, Planned Parenthood or wherever and going with guns or whatever or shooting doctors or things like that. I mean, that to me is like, well, that's revenge. You know, I'm going to take care (laughs) of this. You did this. This is the penalty for that. And so...
1: Well, I think the guys that had done that would say things like, uh, if you knew that the guy, your next-door neighbor on one side, was planning to go kill the children that lived in the house on the other side of you, mm-hmm. and you, the police weren't going to stop him, would you use deadly force to stop him? And so I think that people who have taken... Uh, civil justice into their own hands have kind of justified it that way. They're gonna stop the crime, make sure it doesn't happen again, and stuff. But that's a uh, that's a little bit different because then we get into the realm of the uh, who who has God given the sword to, mm-hmm. and He's given given a monopoly on on uh, that use of uh, violence to. The one who is enforcing his law in the civil realm, so that's a little bit, yeah, it's a little bit different. Some of those things get pretty (laughs) complex though when you start talking about them. Probably too much for a movie-centered podcast, but that's right. We're talking about a movie, and for a man who's been drinking. (laughs) (laughs) No, but then, you know, the other the other issue I had that is related though, and that's the issue of. Vigilantism, mm-hmm. because vigilantes and and vigilantism are things that we as Americans have been trained to see as bad.
2: Unless they're superheroes.
1: Unless they're superheroes, <laughs> right. But, you know, it's against the law. You can get in trouble for, for being a vigilante and, and they can come... Put you in jail for that, and I was as I was looking up the definition of what it means to be a vigilante and to do vigilante things. Yes, it it kind of boils down to it's somebody or a group of somebody's who are going to go and and uh, punish crime or prevent crime mm-hmm. without having been legally ordained to do so by the uh legitimate powers that be mm-hmm. or whatever so I don't have a badge or something and but to me that's kind of creating a false category because and and I relate it like this it's kind of like if we didn't have a border control agency and if we didn't have draconian kind of border restrictions mm-hmm. There wouldn't be such a thing as an illegal alien. It's the law itself that creates the category yeah. of an illegal alien. And if we didn't have those laws like America didn't have for its first hundred years, mm-hmm. then you wouldn't have a category of illegal alien. It, it's a thing that's created by the human humanistic law itself. Yeah. And I almost feel like the same thing is true with vigilante. And we've been trained to see that as a bad thing but i think as you read through the old testament and the law of moses it seems pretty clear to me that there were no law enforcement officers in ancient israel mm-hmm. you know there were no policemen on patrol there were no there was no 911 that you could call or anything all it was is what we would call the local militia mm-hmm. where you know if there's well, your a, elders yeah if, well your neighbors if there was an issue it's Hey, grab your sword and come along because there's this thing we have to deal with over here. You know, the the army was the the men who could fight and mm-hmm. law enforcement was all the men in the community, community who could wield a sword and, and survive in combat. So, uh... In, in our society, that kind of idea that when a crime has happened or it's in progress, call your neighbors and you all get together and go take care of it. Uh, American justice, quote unquote, has kind of tended to view that as dangerous and and vigilante. Mm-hmm. and And I just... I think that's a category that's been created by our humanistic laws. Since you don't have the badge, you don't have the...
2: You can just be the bystander and watch
1: things happen. Right. Sit here and let the professionals take care of it. and. and 20 uh, minutes after the fact. <laughs> right. One seconds count. They're only minutes away. <laughs> yeah. And, and so to me, as I was thinking about what they did in this movie, and I was trying to think about the ethics of... We mentioned the widow woman who decides to go out and start hiring, basically, mercenaries to come and basically function as a militia. Mm -hmm. The men of her town wouldn't do it. The established, quote-unquote, authority was the sheriff who had been bought and paid for by the bad guy and was on his side and wasn't about to do anything.
2: Well, I don't think it was that the men of the town wouldn't do it. They didn't know how to do it.
1: Yeah, but they 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 were completely cowed I mean they were they were scared they weren't gonna stand up or anything. you know they said this boat guy had two hundred men, but there are more than two hundred men in the town, you know uh maybe they weren't born fighters or anything like that, but it's not like the town was outnumbered by the bad guys. It's just that the men who were willing to fight were outnumbered, I think. And so I was thinking about the ethics and the morality of this woman going out going out and hiring them and, and I think by modern American standards we'd say no, there's there's something fishy or dangerous at best about about that. And I just think I'm not sure that's I'm not sure that has any biblical basis at all. If if none of the men are going to or they're incapable of doing it, then find somebody that God has raised up providentially, Mm -hmm. find somebody that can come and get some justice going here, you know. So uh, I'm totally on board with it. And frankly, I'm on board with vigilantism. I mean, (laughs) I know bad things happen. You don't want a vigilante group that doesn't feel itself bound at all by the law of God.
2: Yeah, we have to be bound by something,
1: right? That that will turn murderous, and you know that's just basically a lynch mob and stuff like that. Yeah, and, and that that's horrible. But if the police are unable or incapable of enforcing justice, I'm not sure. I believe there'd be anything wrong with the people of the town getting together. In fact, that's saying it too weakly. I do not think there's anything wrong with. The people of the town getting together and saying we're not going to put up with this thing going on that is against the law of God and and we're going to make sure it doesn't happen anymore. So you don't want one guy flying off the handle and deciding that he's the angel of death and he's going <laughs> to and you yeah. don't want and you don't want a mob, but you, the police are a mob a lot of the time. You don't want an organized. Uh, You don't want an organized, deputized mob, but you don't want a rabble mob either. What you
2: want? Well, it all has to boil down to what you're defending and why you're defending that. Exactly. What's the the standard for these? What you need is
1: a community that agrees that the law of God is our standard, and we, as a community, are going to uphold that. Yeah. And and make sure that happens. So. I don't think there's anything wrong with superheroes. You know, they come in and... Well, nobody
2: thinks there's something wrong with
1: superheroes.
2: (laughs) That's what makes them superheroes.
1: I'm just saying.
2: It's the villains nobody likes.
1: If I could be a superhero, I'd I'd go ahead and do it. Well, all right. Well, and maybe I am. (laughs) Sure you are. And I'm just protecting my identity. That's secret identity. That's right.
2: You know... You actually do have that, because when you're not in your uniform, nobody knows who you are.
1: (laughs) Right. In my day job, I in my day job in our small town, I wear a uniform, and I make deliveries all day long. And people know me when they see me in my uniform. Yeah. I see the same people out of a restaurant or something like that, and I'm not wearing my uniform. And you can see them look at me.
2: Like, who are you? Like puzzling <laughs>
1: in their mind. Who is this guy?
2: Why is he talking to me? Why
1: does he seem to know who I am? And <laughs> Why I... does he
2: know where I live?
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> that's interesting. So that's kind of funny. All right, that's off topic, though. But there you go. There you go. You have anything else, any other kind of worldview issue or thematic thing?
2: Um, I just think it's interesting that these men from all sorts of different backgrounds unite for this cause, knowing going in that it's not looking good for them to come out on the other side and even during the during the battle that ensues willing to to lay it all down. You know, I think that speaks well of who they
1: were as men. You like that? That got so. totally on my nerves.
2: But I think that's <laughs> something that as Christians we need to walk with, that there are some things that are worth more than oh, my sure. own personal yeah. comfort or my own personal convenience and that you really are willing to to lay those right. things down when it, when you have to.
1: That is our Christian storytelling legacy that We have bought into the idea, as a culture, and we still buy into it, that self-sacrifice is a hallmark of heroism. And that, I believe that comes directly from the cross of Christ. Mm -hmm. Because pagan cultures don't develop those kinds of heroes.
2: Yeah. Well, and to do this for people that they didn't really know, that they were not tied to, they weren't connected to. Well, the thing that I don't
1: like about it, and I've mentioned it before, my pet peeve is is when you have these anti-heroes and guys that are obviously not heroic, they don't have, like, a decent mm-hmm. bone in their body, but...
2: Well, I will not know if
1: they'd go that far. They might have a decent bone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, like, a pinky bone <laughs> is decent. <laughs> and everything else is rotten, and they're scoundrels in every other way, but when the... When... When the bad stuff hits the fan... Yeah. Somehow they're able to muster well, I don't know their if heroism. any of those
2: characters were that bad. I mean, none of them were ultimately good.
1: <laughs> totally good, but
2: I don't think there was anybody that I was... I they were all
1: anti-heroes. You know? I hate anti-heroes. I guess. Well, the I guess one mountain man, saying.
2: I mean, he just—he was wanting to live out in the wild and just be happy.
1: Right. You he, know? he was quoting scripture and stuff. He wasn't that bad. At all. He what? was crazy
2: and then you know the the good night guy and his sidekick they had a bond because of him rescuing him out of a bad situation and so they were together and you know i don't think there was anybody who was just really out and out bad maybe chris pratt cuz he was always trying to steal and
1: he was a swindler
2: he was a swindler but yeah. i don't think he would have killed anybody you know just for fun oh, right.
1: <laughs> so i don't see them as the well they were less bad than the bad guys but they were still anti heroes. And, and oh, I can't okay. stand
2: them. But I still think that ideal is worthwhile.
1: Which ideal was that? The self sacrifice. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I won't argue with that. All right, you got anything else, lady?
2: Nope, I'm done. See you later. <laughs>
1: Alright. Bye Jordan. <laughs> All right, well that's it for us on Worldview Media Podcast. Uh tune in next time where, Lord willing, we will begin a short series on <laughs> <don't tell> <laughs> <laughs> of the movies that have to do with the Star Trek next generation franchise. Oh, you told <laughs> I think that's only three movies though, right? me. No, there's first contact. I was forgetting that one Alright, next time, y'all. God bless you. Bye.
0: Bye. Thank you for listening to the Worldview Media Podcast. Please visit reconstructionistradio.com to check out the other podcasts in our network and to download our free audiobooks.